Church, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the book of Exodus. We're in Exodus chapter 34 today as we continue our series in this portion of God's Word. We'll be in the end of Exodus 34 today and then we'll have a couple more weeks in Exodus before we transition next month. But let me just remind you, for those that like to take notes, there is a sermon notes section in your bulletin. And at the bottom of that, there's a family discussion guide that is meant to help you uh, throughout this week to have additional conversations, follow-up conversations about faith and about God's Word uh, in the home with your families. And to that end, uh, as previously mentioned, we will have uh, treehouse returning, children's worship uh, time returning for elementary age kids beginning next Sunday morning, June the 20th in both services. So that will be a time where kids are invited uh, at this point in the service uh, to go and to participate in that way as Mr. David leads and shares from God's word a time of worship uh, through song and through his word. And uh, all of that to say, as pastor and as a staff, as a team of uh, pastors and ministers in the church, it's our desire uh, that if that is helpful for you in teaching and training your children to, to, to know and to follow Jesus, then you take advantage of that. If you see keeping them in this time together as helpful for you in teaching and training them to know and follow Jesus, we encourage you to do that as well. But last week, we heard about the heart of God. That is the, the character of our God. We, we read God's own words in Exodus 34 about himself where God tells Moses this. He says, uh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Remember those words? The very words of God about God. This is who he is. And so at this point in the journey, as we're tracking through this story of God rescuing and redeeming a people known as the Israelites, Moses, their leader, he now knows the glory of God. He has seen and heard the glory of God. He knows the heart of God. But how will the people know? How will they come to know who God is? How will others know? How are we to know? And how is the rest of the world to know who this God is? These are questions the Bible answers. And these are questions I believe that it answers even in our text for this morning. So let me invite you to look at it together with me. As you find your place in Exodus 34, let me invite you, as is our practice here, to join me standing, uh, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word, acknowledging that we are hearing from the Lord. Very words of God recorded in his word. Exodus 34, beginning in verse 29. The Bible reads this way. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai... With the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. 
But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Pause with me, please, for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that you are who you say you are. Father, we hunger and thirst for you. We want to know you. And so, Lord, guide us now by the presence and power of your spirit that we might rightly hear and respond to the truths of your word. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Fascinating scene here, is it? Is it not right here? Here is Moses for the second time camping out up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. This is the second time that he has done this meeting with God. We see that at the end or earlier in this chapter in verse 28. While the people remain down below the mountain in the camp waiting on their leader to return to them. I mean, just sort of imagine the scene. Israelites are camped out. They're they're a nomadic people at this point in the journey. They've been rescued from Egypt, from a a time of of slavery. They've been promised by God that they are going to be given a, a land flowing with milk and honey, a promised land. And they're waiting on God to lead them to that place. Until then, they they wait. Have you ever had to wait for something you really wanted? Sometimes in, in the waiting, as you wait. When you wait for a long time, sometimes when the waiting is prolonged, you forget what it was that you really wanted. You get distracted, right? And you get pulled away into other things. Well, that was these folks. That was the Israelites. As they waited for Moses, their leader, to return to them the first time. They determined that he took too long. They didn't know what had become of him. They decided he he must not be coming back. So they took matters into their own hands, since the whole golden calf fiasco. And after that encounter, as Moses has been meeting with God up on the mountain, receiving the instructions of God, Moses comes down the mountain. He sees this idolatry that they fashioned this image and they've begun worshiping this image, this golden calf in the place of God. He sees this and in his anger, he breaks the two stone tablets that were given to him by God engraved with the Ten Commandments. Things are not looking good at this point in the journey. Moses cries out to the Lord. The people repent before God. After a period of repentance and prayer, God invites Moses to come back up the mountain and meet with him. He invites Moses to come on back up. And now, this time, when Moses returns after camping on the mountain, another 40 days and 40 nights with new stone tablets, the scene is far different. It's much different. I mean, once again, a long time to wait. A long time to be Without a leader, a long time for God to be silent, so to speak. But the people wait. They wait and they wait to hear from God. And when Moses finally shows back up, his face radiates the glory of God. Why? Because he's been speaking with the Lord. He's been in the presence of, of the Lord. Church, those who walk with God show the glory of God. 
sort of want us to see. I think we're meant to see that in our text for this morning. Those who walk with God, those who commune with God, those who spend time with God, show the glory of God. Have you ever known someone like that? Someone you just knew by being around them that they spent time with Jesus. But church, here's a man who has spent time with the Lord. Here's a man who has seen and heard the glory of God. That is God's good character and his great worth. And whose very presence now displays that good character and great worth to others. Those who walk with God show the glory of God. But in this case, people are scared. Right? They're, they're terrified. They don't know what's going on because Moses shows back up off the mountain and his face looks like a mag light. His face is luminous. Right? His, his skin is, is shining. He's glowing with supernatural light and no one knows what's going on. What has happened to this guy, Moses? But then out of the glowing silence, he speaks. Moses talks, and he invites the leaders of the people to come and to hear what God has told him, what God has said to him. Those who walk with God show the glory of God. But in this case, Moses radiates God's glory as one invited into the very presence of God in order to deliver a message from God. In other words, he's playing a unique role here. He's the mediator. And God is a God who reveals his glory through his mediator. God reveals his glory. He reveals his his character, his good character, his great worth. He reveals who he is through his his mediator. He shows his good character and great worth through through Moses. You see, the golden calf episode of idolatry was not only rejection of God, but it was also rejection of of the people's leader, of God's representative, in this case, Moses. And so now God is ensuring that his people notice that Moses is one who has been with him, that Moses has been with him, that he is the Lord's authoritative representative in the eyes of of the people. Thus, Moses is qualified here to speak for God. That's what the Lord is conveying through this scene. He is He is setting apart Moses as his mediator with a particular role saying, this is my servant. He has encountered me. He has been meeting with me. I've instructed him and now I've instructed him to deliver that message to you. That's what's going on here. Moses has been with the Lord, communion with God, and now he's to to deliver the very words of God to the people. And when he does, the Bible says his face glows so that they know he's been with God. It's... God's way of saying, listen to him. Listen to him. God's mediator, bridging the gap between fallen sinners and a holy God. And you know, friends, like Israel, like these descendants of Abraham, we too need someone to stand in the gap for us. We need someone who will stand in the gap between a holy God and sinners like us. For we too are sinners, every one of us, desperately in need of God's grace. And church, wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? The compassionate, gracious, slow to anger God of the Bible has provided such a mediator for us in Jesus. In the Son of God and Savior of the world. But whereas Moses' glory was simply a reflection, right, of a reflection of God's glory. Jesus, in the words of the Bible, embodied the very glory 
of God. The author of Hebrews says it this way. The Son, the Son of God, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. The radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Jesus shines with all the glory of God. That's the message of the New Testament. The fullness of God in human flesh. He shines with all the glory of God. A shining that was revealed to his followers, to his disciples, specifically to Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Perhaps you remember that scene. You remember that story where the Bible says there, Jesus was transfigured before his friends, before these disciples. How was he transfigured? His face shone like the sun radiating God's glory. And his clothes became as white as the light. Why? Why did God do this? So the disciples would know that Jesus is his representative. That Jesus is the perfect and permanent mediator between God and sinners. And so God the Father goes on to say, he says, this is my son whom I love With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. That's what God says. Listen to my son. Listen to Jesus. The radiance of my glory. God reveals his glory through his mediator. So church, let's see God's glory in Jesus. Let's see his glory. Let's see his his good character and his great worth by looking to the life and the ministry of Jesus. Like the Israelites saw it in Moses, we're to see it in Jesus. If you know... You want to know God's good character. If you want to know who He is, you don't need to look any further. You need to look at the life of Jesus. Let's see God's glory in His Word through His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's see God's glory in Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read about the life and the message and the ministry of Jesus. Read the Gospels and see the goodness and greatness of God. God reveals His glory through His mediator, but not only through this one mediator, certainly through this Mediator, but according to his word, also through all who are made right with him, all through who are made right with God through the ministry of the mediator. In other words, all those saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. God reveals his glory through his people. He's a God who demonstrates who he is, who reveals his glory, yes, through His mediator, ultimately through the one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, but also through his people. He reveals who he is through his, through his people. I I remember when I was 17 years old, wrestling with the call to ministry. I remember sensing through the proclamation of God's word that God was leading me to vocational ministry. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew it meant explaining, proclaiming his His good word to others. I didn't, I didn't know what that would look like. And to be honest with you, it scared me to death. I really wasn't interested in that. And I remember taking comfort again and again, particularly in those early months and years, but even throughout, I remember taking comfort. I've taken comfort in the fact that God has used unlikely people as his messengers. He has used unlikely candidates and unlikely people, people who seem to be gifted in other ways and not gifted in particular, to, to spread his good news. For Moses is just such an example. I mean, I mean, Moses received a special 
call from God to play a specific and unique role in salvation history. In other words, none of us are called to be Moses. We don't, we don't want to take that away from this text. Moses lived at a particular place and time, a pivotal time to be used by God in a particular way in salvation history. But let's not forget Moses was a sinner. Right? He, he was a murderer. He was a fugitive on the run who wanted nothing to do with going back to Egypt and speaking on behalf of God. A sinner only spared, saved, and used by God's amazing grace. Moses was a human like us. A reminder that God uses humans to show His glory. Church, I want you to hear this morning that you were made to show God's glory. We were made to shine the light of God's glory. You were made to shine the light of God's glory. And you can. You can. You can by meeting with the Lord. By walking with Him. With faith in Him. Those who walk with God show the glory of God. The psalmist said it this way. Those who look to Him. Those who look to the Lord are radiant. Those who look to the Lord. Put their faith in the Lord, who walk with the Lord, who commune with the Lord, are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Friend, are you looking to Him? Are you looking to the Lord? Is your faith in Him? Are you walking with Him? Of course, as people living on this side of the B.C., A.D. divide, people living on this side of Christ's coming, And the completion of God's written word, we walk with God through faith in Jesus Christ. The very same Jesus who came revealing God's glory and telling his people these words. He said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you're my people, that you've been with me. That you know me by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, Christians, God reveals his glory in us and through us as we reflect his good and loving character. The very same character revealed to Moses and the Israelites in Exodus. We reveal his character as we walk with him. Those who walk with God show the glory of God. How are we to... Show his glory, certainly as we reflect his good and loving character, but also as we tell others about his character. Jesus said, therefore, go, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus said to them, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so this morning, church, as we consider the great privilege, this great privilege of representing God, of radiating the glory of God among the nations of the world, I want us to pause for just a few minutes and hear from a family that is doing just that. So Kevin, lead us. Sanders family, we look forward to hearing from you. BJ Jill, it is an honor that you are here with us today. and. A joy that we have to hear how God's working through your family and your work in Papua New Guinea. But, BJ, you guys tell us. Tell us about you. Tell us about your family, where you guys serve, and your role in the work on the field where you guys, where God has called you. 
Yeah, we're BJ and Jill Sanders. These are our children, Olivia, who is 11, Sophie, who's 9, and Graham, who is 8. Yeah, we work in a tribe in Papua New Guinea, the Wantakia tribe, and it is a very remote place in the mountains of Papua New Guinea, and the people there live, they farm their sweet potato gardens, and they're cut off from most of the outside world. Um, they're yeah, li- they've been living there. Uh, they've never had missionaries there before until we, us and our team came, went there in 2014. And so, yeah, I'll tell you about what we've seen the Lord do there. Um, we, by God's grace, we were able to learn the language there. And we had the privilege of writing Bible lessons in the language for the very first time. There's never been missionaries there. There's no churches there. Uh, the gospel's never been there. This language had never even been written down before. So picture these guys out there with their machetes, um, living in the jungle, never really seen even white people before. They were probably scared when they saw us. <laughs> but um, by God's grace, we learned the language, and we were able to share God's word with them for the very first time last year. Uh, we met with them every day for two months sharing God's word from Genesis to Revelation. We had written 60 lessons to share God's amazing story with them. And by his grace, the, we got to the very end of the teaching, and these people who've never heard anything from God's word started standing up and giving testimony after testimony of faith in Jesus. Like, you came and you taught us. We're from Adam. We're separated from God. We, we, we were in darkness, but now, because of Jesus... Like, we trust in him. He's our savior. And, man, testimony after testimony of people get, um, trusting in Jesus. And the church was born that day in the Wantakia tribe for the first time ever uh, last year. And so we've seen many people get baptized, and the church continues to grow there. Yeah. Amen. Well, please tell us as well one way that for us as a church family, What's one way our support has impacted you, your family, and the work there over this last year? I know you guys have been on stateside here in the U.S. for uh, since last fall, um, but tell us how our support has helped uh, you guys. Yeah, um, just everything BJ just said, you know, we wouldn't be able to, you know, the Bible talks about how can they hear unless they're told and how can they, you know, go unless they're sent. So you guys have been a huge um, help to us in that aspect. And so just, you know, telling the gospel and everything um, has been a huge part of our ministry. But another part of our ministry has just been literacy. Um, you know, most of you can read and write <laughs> in in the church. And um, it's not like that in Wantakia. There's no schools there. Um, yeah, they, they don't even hardly know how to hold a pencil. And so we're telling them the gospel, but we want to train them to be able to be able to read it for themselves. And that way, if false teachers ever come in or, you know, they want to teach their family, they can do that. And so um, the guys are translating the Bible. But a big part um, in your support has been starting literacy programs. And we've had three classes um, come to completion. And the third one is about to graduate right now. So we have about 30 Wantakia adult readers and if you can just imagine, learning how to read as an adult is not easy. And so, um, yeah, so that's been really cool. And we want to just give it to them in their hands and and for them to be able to, you know, re- read to their kids and things like that. Um, just a cool story is some of our graduates who have graduated from our literacy program, 
we also give them portions of the scripture that we've been teaching them. And so when we walk around the village, it's been so cool just to see some of the graduates reading the Bible to their family and their kids. And so it's just, it's really, really cool. And so on the back table that we have back there, we have some of our literacy books. If you're interested in just looking at what it looks like to teach literacy in a tribal language. Thank you, guys. Um, they also have prayer cards on the table right in front of the missions table, uh, missions wall. Uh, if you guys want to stop and grab one of their prayer cards. But before we uh, finish up, tell us how we can be praying for you guys in the coming weeks, uh, especially as you guys anticipate returning to the field. But tell us how we can be praying for you as a church family. Yeah, God has been so faithful, like moving over there to this remote village in, in the mountains of Papua New Guinea. He helped us learn this language that had never been written down before. And we prayed, like Daniel, there's a verse in Daniel chapter 1 that says, God gave him a special ability and an aptitude for the Babylonian language and culture. And that's what we prayed for, and he gave it to us. And uh, with sharing the gospel, we prayed that it would be like Nehemiah chapter 8, where the people had, hadn't heard God's word read for generations, and they're hearing it. And they went, or, went away celebrating that they'd heard and understood. And that's what happened last year in the tribe. They celebrated that they'd heard and understood God's word. So we're just praying that as we go back, the church will just mature and multiply and spread out to the other villages. There's nine more villages in Wantakia that there are no churches at right now. So we want the church to grow and to continue to spread. Yeah, and just also be praying for our family just as we, you know, transitions are difficult on children and and us too. And so just as we transition into leaving America and going back to, you know, a more simple life, like we've enjoyed restaurants and Chick-fil-A. You guys enjoyed (laughs) Chick-fil-A? And just a lot of simple things in America. And so um, going back to just a harder style of life, but that we enjoy and that we're happy to be a part of. So, yeah, if you could just pray for all the different transitions. can definitely do that. Would you guys join me in praying for them right now? Father, thank you for BJ. Thank you for Jill. Thank you for their kids and the calling you've placed on their lives to reflect your love and to go and share with these people who have never heard. We thank you for how you have worked so far and the team members and other families who are still there working diligently to disciple and to encourage those new believers to grow in their faith. We pray, God, for patience and grace even today for them. We ask that, Father, your spirit would continue to work. And, God, in the coming months, Lord, may there be opportunities to see your church started in these other villages where there's no church yet among the Wantakia people. We pray, Father, for BJ and Jill and their kids as they begin this season of transition and going back. We pray, Father, for your patience as well in each of their hearts, that, God, you would just go before them. God, we thank you for how you've worked through their family. But God, we know you're not done yet. And so, Father, we pray that you would guide them, encourage them, and may they know as they return back that, God, they are right where you want them to be at this time, in this season. We thank you, Father, for leading them and allowing them to continue to walk with you, serving you faithfully among the Wantakia people. May your kingdom come and your will be done. May your glory be made known among these people. 
and the church continue to grow and expand and multiply. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, many of you may know this, but BJ is the nephew of Mike and Joan Carter. And through your generous support, we have had the opportunity to partner with them financially over the last several years as a church. But one of the things that I want you to see and hear even this morning as they share with us is that uh, BJ and Jill are folks like us, right? They're ordinary folks saved by the grace of God wanting to make much of God among the Wantakia people so that people there might come to know and to follow Jesus. So Meadowbrook, God does extraordinary things. He does incredible things. He is doing incredible things. We've heard testimony even this morning of what he's doing, amazing work that he is doing through his servants. He does extraordinary things through ordinary people who walk with Jesus. And so, brothers and sisters, let's be a people who walk with Jesus. Let's walk with Jesus Christ. Let's commune with God. Let's commune with the Most High God through faith in Christ, reading His Word, speaking to Him, worshiping Him, and resting in Him. And friends, I can promise you that if and when we do, God will show His glory among us. Those who walk with God will show the glory of God, I love the people's reaction. I'm reminded of the people's reaction in Acts chapter 4 to Peter and John when they've been out telling people about Jesus. They've been out performing miracles in the name of Jesus. The people saw the courage of Peter and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note what? That these men had been with Jesus. Brother, sister, have you been with Jesus Are you walking with Jesus? Would other people look at your life and say, he's been with Jesus, she's been with Jesus. That person, that couple, that family, they they walk with Jesus. They know and worship Jesus. Are you meeting with God? Well, friends, there's no better place to be than to be with Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who knows us, the one who longs to meet with us, who gives rest to weary souls, and who delights in saving sinners. So fellow sinners, let's turn to the Savior. Let's run to Jesus. Let's walk with Christ. Let's run to Jesus Christ again and again and again, walking by faith in Him day after day after day. God reveals His glory through His mediator, through Jesus. God reveals His glory through His people who follow Jesus. Moses and the Israelites got a taste of this. They got a taste of the glory of God, but how much more magnificent, how much more magnificent, Meadowbrook, do we now understand our God to be because of his gospel of grace that has since unfolded after that day? You see, God reveals his glory through his gospel. He reveals his glory through his mediator and through his people, and he reveals his glory through his gospel, the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus, offering permanent forgiveness, right? Complete righteousness and the indwelling presence of God's Holy Spirit. Through the gospel, we see the glory of God. And as we look to Jesus, the Spirit of God begins to transform us from the inside out so that we begin to radiate the glory of God. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, alluding to Exodus 34, our text for this morning. Paul writes, he says, And we all, all of us church with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. In other words, those of us whose eyes have been opened to the truth about Jesus 
who can see the truth of, of Jesus, that he is the way and the truth and the life, those of us who see God's glory in Jesus are being transformed. We're being transformed into the same image, the image that God made us to be, the image of Christ, the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is describing the process of sanctification for those whose eyes have been opened to the truth of the gospel. This is, he says clearly, this is the Spirit's work. It's not ours, it's God's work in us. We're saved and sanctified by God's grace. And so church, let's keep on inviting the Holy Spirit to reveal God's glory and to transform lives through this gospel. Let's be a people who hear and share the gospel of grace again and again and again and again and again and again. Let's hear the gospel. This is one of the reasons that we gather and one of the reasons that we open the scriptures. This is one of the reasons that we need one another, that we gather together as a family of faith. Let's hear and share the gospel again and again and again, for this is where and how the spirit of God works in the lives of the saved and among the lost. Friends, those who walk with God show the glory of God, radiating his glory as we hear and share the gospel of his grace. So here's the deal, church. God calls us to do this. He calls us to radiate his glory. He calls us to shine the light of his glory to one another and to the rest of the world. Here's how it happens. Here's how the spirit works in that way. Time with Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you spending time with Jesus today? And again tomorrow and the next day? Are you walking by faith in Him? Those who walk with Him and show the glory of God. Would you bow with me, Father? Lead us to do so. Lord, we invite you to do so. We want you to do so. We want you to work in our lives and in our hearts to make Jesus known in us and through us. Not for our sake, Lord, for your sake. For the glory and reputation of your name in all the earth. And so, Father, even this morning, even now, as we take moments to respond to the truth of your word, Father, we pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would lead us for your glory Father, that you would hear our prayers and our praise. And Lord, that our lives would be shaped according to your word. Lead us in that way for the glory of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen.